When the government implemented nationwide lockdown in March 2020, in-person community music activity, along with everything else, came to a halt. Everything was either cancelled or postponed, and even though by then it was expected, it all still felt very sudden, as it was such an unusual phenomenon. Community musicians, whose work was very much in-person, face-to-face, found themselves in a strange and scary place. Through conversations with six community musicians working in the northeast of England, this series of podcasts will explore what happened, how we responded, and what things look like now. All conversations took place separately in various locations. When talking about adaptability, we are considering all of the things that community musicians had to do in the face of the crisis of the pandemic. Trying to stay connected with their groups, developing new skills, learning to deliver their sessions online. I asked Bridie what her initial reaction to the pandemic was and how she saw that period with regards to how she adapted. Um, oh, it's funny, isn't it? Because it, it feels like yesterday, but it was actually three years ago, wasn't yeah. it? Which is crazy. Mad, um, isn't it? So I think the adaptability happened in stages. I think there was a, a period of panic, like which I think everybody, that happened. Yeah. And then there was a period of um, thinking about it in a practical sense of what do I need to practically do to continue doing the work that I'm doing. And a lot of that involved getting really good at technology, which is always something I've been a bit uh, a bit reticent about before, but that's definitely a thing of the past now. Yeah. And then I think the third thing was then thinking about how other people were experiencing it in terms of the communities and the individuals that I work with through my practice and thinking what's different for them like what's gonna make it possible for them to still engage with the with the arts and the the projects and what possibly might stand in their way um that isn't just the obvious things which is that we couldn't physically be in a room together because there's lots of other reasons isn't there yeah why well we know this why people find it hard to be able to get involved in these kind of projects and i think obviously in lockdown digital poverty was a really huge thing that wasn't a term i think people had used much before yeah. but you know obviously everyone was like oh it's fine we'll just all jump on zoom but for a lot of people if they're kind of just using data and they've got to do all the things you know kids homework or the food you know all these things like just actually attending a zoom meeting Mm. is actually like a really hard thing ashley was very open in how she felt when the first lockdown hit and how she jumped immediately into action i'd started my masters in the january yeah and so i knew i had that to like think about as well so I, I just wanted to ca- just do something. Mm-hmm. Like if I'd stopped, yeah. I would have panicked and freaked mm. out and probably wouldn't have done a lot of the things that I did do. Yeah. I just had to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> or I would have been like, what is going on? <laughs> like I even started doing like, like getting, know the NHS clap? Yeah. Every week that the street would go out and do that. I'd organised like, uh, I'd put my PA up and it all the street would sing. <laughs> even organised that like, it was so- weird but when I think about it now like what that what like that's what was just I so <laughs> like not everybody would see out and do it but like a lot of people did yeah they were just I would like would 
someone down the street would do like post something through everybody's door like the song lyrics for that night really and everybody sang yeah you see that it's just lush not just being hit emotionally and needing to connect there was the financial aspect too which david and i talked about um and then when the pandemic struck um the only thing that saved me was not spending any money not spending money on petrol yeah so and getting some of the assistance that was out there right. um, was that the government assistance no i i only only in that furlough like i wasn't able to actually physically do some of my work right in situ yeah but was being paid for it on the furlough system my salary work yeah and then some of my other employers were very good and allowed me to do things on Zoom. So I did, I did as much work on Zoom as I, as, as I could. Some of us were fortunate to get furloughed or to have funding continue. Jim was in a position to be able to use funding for his development in research and how to move his sessions with young people online. I mean, I was in a very fortunate position because Newcastle City Council, who fund Connects Audio, which is mine and Matt's company, right. to deliver work. Um, they'd already budgeted for us, even though we're freelance. Right. And so they said, well, we have no idea how long this is going to go on, so we'll honour our contracts to you, yeah. and we want you to uh, use the time, instead of delivering our Star and Shadow, we want you to use the time to find out the best way of working online. Wow, that's so they, brilliant. They, pay, they carried on paying us for our time to research yeah. by kit and then for me and Matt to communicate across the internet yeah. to try and find the best way of dealing with latency because our sessions were live. Right, yeah. We always did a live thing at the end of the session. That was the whole point of the session. Mm -hmm. So we'd collate grooves, build up, build up, build up and then at the end we would do a live, uh, you know, live sharing of it on Facebook. Um, so we had to completely rethink that. However, there were also those, like myself, who had little in the way of IT skills and found the process of moving sessions online to be totally daunting. It took us a bit of time to eventually get enough skills to pluck up the courage. Laura tells us of her experience. And there were rumblings of Zoom and digital, um, digital online learning. And to be honest, I was so overwhelmed with the whole situation yeah. of lockdown that I actually chose not to do anything online for a long time. I think it was at least kind of six weeks, eight weeks that I just, I didn't know what to do because life was now very different. You know, I was at home with my mum and my sister and pets and everything was just really odd. So I kind of had a bit of a, a crash in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I made the decision not to. And then I... When I felt ready to, I started to learn about what the digital learning was. She also had to overcome issues with equipment. My Wi-Fi is super unstable at home. Yeah. So I had to, you know, as everybody did, I went onto Amazon <laughs> and I got myself a ridiculously long Ethernet cable. Right. So every time every time I was due to do a Zoom, yeah. you know, my Wi-Fi box is by my phone because that's where it's strongest and that's by the front door yeah. and my landline. Um, so I had to weave it through the house, above curtains, you know, oh on, on pictures, through oh. to my music studio, which is where I did it. Right. Um, you know, and I would do that every week, you know, so there'd be cables hanging everywhere. <laughs> but it was the only way to not get cut off every 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, because it just, I think because everybody was online as well, um, yeah. that it just, it wasn't, you know, suitable 
to yeah. do it all the time. When chatting with Bridie, we spoke at length about online facilitating. Here, she shares her thoughts on how different it is to be in face-to-face -face with your participants. There's lots of stuff as well, not just the yeah. technical stuff, but the social stuff as well, which definitely people struggle with. And then that goddamn delay. Oh, just the worst. I'm <laughs> 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 hating that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think that's a, that's a good point, though. I think online delivery, it's almost like a whole other podcast, just for, like, it's... A real test of a facilitator isn't it to still yeah. be able to facilitate online because I think it's a really different skill set and a lot of your normal toolkit isn't isn't usable anymore like yeah. just sensing how people are feeling in the room yeah and if someone's struggling being able to be like oh I know that they are so I'm just gonna go and check they're all right like yeah. that you can't do any you can't do any of that no um, so I, I always found that like quite difficult. Yeah. Um, that there's just so much less you can do to help people have a good experience. Yeah. It didn't matter which age you were working with. You had to change the way you delivered your sessions, as Jim here, who was working with early years, experienced. So I started doing some online delivery early years. Yeah. Uh, loud and clear. Yeah. Work. Um, how did you find delivering with little ones online? It was, took quite a lot of uh, entertaining. Yeah. I became a children's entertainer. Yeah. For sure. It was very, very different than sitting in a room with people and playing, yeah. you know, the way that we were. Responding to them. Yeah. It was so difficult, yeah. It was really different. Um, I used a lot more props. Yeah. I actually got somebody to knit me some birds. Yeah. It's like, you know, just like things that you'd never, that I wouldn't normally yeah. have experience of. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, there was elements of satisfaction. It was all we had. And uh, yeah. the families we were working with were seemingly really grateful that they yeah. were uh, doing some music making. Bridie was working with choirs online, and this is her experience. Lots of stuff moved online, so all my yeah. choirs moved online, uh, which was a really bizarre experience um, yeah. because you can't hear anybody. Yeah. Uh, they can hear you. Well, if, if it goes to plan, they can hear you. <laughs> um, and I did lots of stuff like um, multi-track recording all of the songs we did in choir so that people could listen to those through yeah. their speakers and at least it, sound, it felt like they were in a choir, you know. Right, yeah. So we did lots of stuff like that. Some sessions adapted well to moving online. Ashley, who was working with a group of young people, found that moving one of her sessions online worked quite well. And what was that? Let out the noise. Let out the noise was a young person's singing group, but also encouraged to play instruments if they wanted to. So we kind of like wanted to create a band. Right. Um, or if they just wanted to sing, they could just sing as well and we'd support within that. Right. Um, so it was a mixture, it was a lot of, um, ha to, sh to show how music makes you just feel mint, yeah. <laughs> makes you feel better. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was no pressure of like, you have to do this, you have to read this music, we'll have to do this song. It was all of what they want to do, they bring ideas and then we'll just go with it. Nice. Um, so that went online and then <clears throat> we kind of like just prepped 
we've got song ideas from them weeks like the weeks before mm-hmm. and then we would prep the songs before the session and like mm. record the the tracks right um to then play and then the groups would play along to them or sing along to them and then they would sometimes record themselves even if it was just a voice note send yeah. it to us and we would put it on the recording oh nice so then they could like hear their part within it as well that is lush yeah it was really really it was quite good actually so was that a whole new way of working with that group when you're doing it online that yeah, way because that yeah. was because previous before I guess we were just coming into the room and working out stuff uh-huh. together yeah definitely a new way of working and definitely like d- developed my skills of technology it was clear that online delivery was a huge learning process for everyone musicians and participants alike. Laura found that her delivery and how she communicated with her participants had to change. My teaching style has adapted, I would say, because of it. Um, Because it's very different when you're sitting next to a piano student or you're standing next to a flute student. You can, you know, you can show directly what you're doing. Or you can adjust things by, you know, moving hands or or things. But on Zoom, you had to demonstrate. So I think that idea of sitting back and thinking, right, okay, how do I do this with if I'm not there? um, I think, you know, you have a more rounded view about how to get a message across. Um, Mm. Because I worked with so many varying ages, the way that I said or describe something to the nine or ten year old did not work for the five six year old you know yeah. so you know it was really interesting so I think I've got a, a slightly different approach when I'm kind of describing something new or I'll, I'll approach it by a couple of different ways and and see what works rather than just the way that always worked before COVID. Time and material also needed to change. Uh, and filling in a session seemed I felt like I needed four times as much material yeah. um, because you know the the conversations weren't necessarily natural the you know the the spiel that we all have when we're we're introducing things it just wasn't the same so you felt like you needed to get through so much more um to make it a a fulfilling hour or two hours or however long you did them for um so i found like i was doing a lot more prep yeah and then i then i realized to end this episode i'm going to leave you with a quote from bridie We were talking about how you as a community musician are very often just working on your own and then being hit with the isolation of lockdown came with the need to network. We discovered that the networks we have were so important during that time and we were there supporting each other through this period, troubleshooting and advising and generally helping to keep everyone's spirits up. I think our our little northeast art sector did an absolute blinder with that they, you know because i think people did just work absolutely selflessly help each other out in this episode we have heard how resilient our community musicians were in the face of a crisis they organized themselves and developed new skills helping each other out along the way if you enjoyed listening to this episode please join me for the next episode recovery where we talk about how they emerged from lockdown and how they got back to delivering face-to-face. I want to thank Lee Higgins and Catherine Birch at York St John University for their invaluable advice and guidance. The research participants, Ashley Lowes, Bridie Jackson, David Passaro, Jim Montague, Katie Doherty and Laura Reevely for their time, support and wonderful conversations and my husband Gary Bowden for his unending patience, support and editing teaching skills. You are all amazing humans. Thank you. Please check out the other episodes in this series. 
If you would like further information on the research for this podcast, or to find out a little more about the musicians featured, you can find my paper and their details online at www.carolbowdenmusic.co.uk.